Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Monday, the 26th of June, 2023. Hey, our um, day of forgiveness is fast approaching. Wednesday is Forgiveness Day here on Faith Radio. If you haven't done so already, I would encourage you to text the word forgive to 877-933-2484. We've got lots of resources posted at MyFaithRadio.com. But if you want to engage and walk with us in a season of forgiveness and you text the word forgive to 877-933-2484, then over the course of um, days and weeks, you'll get a series, not not like a flurry, but like an appropriate timed series of text messages encouraging along, along the forgiveness path. So we would invite you to pray with us in advance of the day of forgiveness that God would use it um, to really bring peace in people's hearts and lives and relationships. So thank you in advance for that. Um, all right. I have a Captain Obvious headline for you. Do you do Captain Obvious ever with your family? Like the, you'll hear something on the news and you'll be like, okay, Captain Obvious. So um, you're going to hear it reported that there's not a, a huge amount of concern um, about the seven train car loads of hot asphalt and molten sulfur that fell into a river on Saturday um, about 40 miles west of Billings, Montana. Now, it's not because that's a sparsely populated section of the Yellowstone River Valley surrounded only by ranch and farmland. That's not why there's no concern. Here's the captain obvious concern. They're not too concerned that the contents of the rail cars um, is going to move very far down the river. Okay, so let me just remind you again, what was it? hot asphalt and molten sulfur. And what do you think happens when hot asphalt and molten sulfur uh, hit freezing cold rushing water? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. They're not going to go very far. They might create a dam, but they're not going to go very far. So uh, there you go. Uh, But certainly prayers for those in the region. Um, Water testing is obviously necessary. um, And so that is an ongoing uh, story. But, you know, one of those opportunities for us to point out the things that are actually obvious because nature does work the way it works. All right. Now let me ask you a question. Who's got your back? Who has got your back? Who can you trust? Um, as a Christian, let me say without equivocation that God has got your back. I'm thinking here about Isaiah 41 verse 10. Do not fear. I'm with you, says the Lord. Do not be anxious for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. And then in Isaiah 52, 12, literally, it says, the Lord goes before you and the God of Israel, he's got your back. He is your rear guard. So that um, might have been a positive reflection that Vladimir Putin might have made before he trusted someone else to have his back. 
um, who, in fact, um, turned on him. So we are going to talk about that next with our friend Elizabeth Newman. She's a security analyst. And if you missed the news over the weekend, there was a military coup. There were people marching on Moscow. But, you know, all is now apparently calm and people have returned to cafes in Moscow. So we're going to talk about the wacky events over the weekend in Russia. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Yegevni Prigozhin. I've been practicing how to say it so that I could ask Elizabeth Newman, who is he? Why should we care? What's going on? Good morning, my friend. Hey, good morning, Carmen. I'm so impressed. I I have not practiced. So I'm going to let you say his name. <laughs> now, now I got to repeat it. Okay. Putin <laughs> had a friend who's not a friend anymore, um, who is now in exile in Belarus. But on Saturday... Uh, he turned his forces of the Wagner Group from um, their positions in Ukraine. They marched across the Russian border. They took over a prominent city in Russia, and they started heading for Moscow. They got within 200 miles before, um, through negotiations, apparently uh, they determined that they would turn back. That is a wacky weekend in Russia. Yes, um, I don't actually know what to think about it. And as I'm reading uh, more analysis this morning, I I think we're still trying to figure out what that was all about. Look, there, there's just no um, denying it. Like Russia's not doing well with, Putin's not doing well with what's going on in Ukraine. Like they, they are um, still the, the bigger dog in the fight, but uh, Ukraine, who none of us expected when all of this started 18 months ago, to still be putting up the fight that they're putting up. Um, it is draining Russia of resources. It's draining Russia of um, uh, just the, 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 they're not a democracy like us to be able where, you know, actual popular opinion matters that much, but it still matters, the morale of your people. And um, it in one, uh, the way it appears, maybe that's the way we should frame it, the way it appears, um, the Wagner Group, was just tired of um, the of losing of Russia not being able to to pull off what should have been a pretty decisive military victory very early on, um, and decided that they wanted to take over uh, the the Ministry of Defense that they could do a better job. Um, it, that's what it appears. I the reason that everybody's kind of confused is um, perhaps it's just a ruse. Perhaps this was all orchestrated because the end result is that we now have troops from the Wagner Group in Belarus, where they weren't previously. And earlier in the week, we saw uh, reports that um, Putin had moved tactical nuclear weapons into Belarus. So are they potentially preparing for another front uh, to push in uh, to try to get to Kiev? Um, we don't know. Um, it's it's a um, still a volatile situation. It's it's a little weird that they were starting to to they're putting out such prominent notes on social media um, how they were going to uh, take back and 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 um, get the military to start functioning right, and then it just dropped on a dime um, after reportedly uh, the Belarusian president intervened and halted the rebellion. So it just it seems like there's more to the story, um, and I think the rest of the world is watching very closely um, to see what what might actually be behind this. 
I mean, literally, Elizabeth, in the time it took me to drive to town and get a bag of cow feed, all of this took place on Saturday. Exactly. I mean, it, I, it was... I, it was I mean, that's how... I wouldn't have otherwise been listening to the radio, but I got there. I had to go to town and I was just like, no, I mean, I got in the car and they're talking about this city in Russia being overtaken by Wagner uh, forces. And I'm like, wait, what? And I and then, you know, by the time I got home, you know, no, no, they're not. They're no longer marching on Moscow. You know, they turned back. They were 200 miles away. They turned back. Um, But in the meantime, they did, you know, down several helicopters in a military communications plane, at least according to the Wagner group. Um, the defense ministry hasn't com- commented on that. And, you know, and Belarus is, you know, which is really, in my view, maybe I'm wrong here, but just sort of a puppet of Russia yes, is now the, the main negotiating force. Like that seemed strange, too. It's very strange, which I think is why there's the on the surface. Here's the narrative of what happened over the weekend and then. We need to be watch watching very closely to what is not obvious, what uh, might be wow. happening in the background. Um, that all that said, there is also kind of this watch for um, is Evgeny, uh, the the leader of the Wagner group. What's going to happen to him? Um, supposedly, he was guaranteed some uh, protections, but uh, nobody. If this genuinely was a rebellion, um, an attempt at a takeover of the 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 defense ministry of defense um then you know putin is not kind to his uh to mm, anybody that adversaries so yeah i would i would imagine that we would see retribution in some form or fashion towards him or a total reversal of fortunes where he ends up being the head of the uh, right. Russian military establishment. Like we, seriously, anything could happen. Okay, so we don't know. We just uh, Elizabeth and I are confessing we don't know the outcome of this particular storyline, but it is a storyline um, about which both the United States, NATO, and the world um, are certainly concerned. Ukraine, obviously, right on the edge of all of it, um, encouraging. Uh, Ukraine to take advantage of the absence of the Wagner forces um, in, in, you know, within the bounds of their nation, but also recognizing that um, danger is now on the on the Belarusian front in ways that it didn't exist prior to this uh, massive movement of um, of military or private military forces. So we're going to continue our conversation with Elizabeth Newman in just a moment. We're going to pivot. The world's most populous country is India. Uh, And India's head was recently in the United States for a state visit with the U.S. president. Elizabeth is going to read us in on what happened during President Modi's visit uh, to the United States. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Elizabeth Newman, you can find her at Moonshot Group. Um, She is a security analyst 
All right. What do we need to know, Elizabeth, about um, what's going on in India and the visit of the president of India here to the United States? Was there conversation about human rights violations? Christians are concerned about religious liberty. Um, so what can you read us in? Sure. So state visits, um, if you've ever uh, been a part of like Sometimes it, uh, the members of the public get involved, uh, invited to um, welcoming ceremonies um, very exclusively. Uh, maybe if if you are um, have a heritage from that state and you get invited to the state dinner, it is the most um, the highest honor that we offer a, a country's uh, diplomat or or head of state coming to visit us. And it is all the pomp and circumstance. It is like. Um, we joke it's like Washington's prom, right? It's like mm. it's all the, all the geeks get really excited about a state dinner, and it is very lavish, and there's a lot of detail that goes in uh, to welcoming uh, our friend, right? Like the the purpose of a state dinner is to say you are the friend of the United States, and um, uh, your people are our friends, and and we want a stronger, better relationship with you. Um, there are a couple of Notable things about uh, India getting this honor, um, Modi, the president, hadn't been allowed to come to the United States for 10 years. He had been denied a visa in other capacities that he had served in his government um, in the past before he became president and prime minister. Um, He was um, associated with uh, some harsh tactics uh, cruel violations of human rights is maybe a stronger, um, more appropriate way to say it, uh, related to squashing protests and putting down um, Muslims uh, that uh, he had disagreed with. And and so there had been some uh, keeping him at arm's length from coming to the United States. So um, it is kind of a step forward in trying to keep India closer to us. Uh, India historically has had um, strong relations with Russia, uh, strong relations with uh, China. That the, the latter has been on ice for for a little bit of time, and there is a decided effort um, by Australia and Japan and the United States to try to bring India into the fold. Um, there is also a recognition that uh, look, India is a, it's it's a huge country. Um, it, it it will rival. Uh, China in terms of its um, population and therefore eventually its economic prowess. And it is um, from an economic standpoint, somebody that you want on your side, but also from a military standpoint, somebody that you want to embrace Western democratic values. And um, and so for all of these reasons, there's an effort to, to try to invite India in um, to a, a Western mindset. And part of that is, of course, talking about human rights, but usually in a contract, a context of a state dinner, um, you're not using a stick. You're not beating somebody over the head. There um, are always private conversations that occur at multiple levels um, from the very top, from the president to the prime minister, all the way down the ranks. Um, and there, there is no doubt in my mind that um, our diplomats are picking particular points where they feel like we can make progress in the area of human rights and encouraging India to take steps in that direction. Um, but we should be humble um, when 
when we are pressing other countries to do better, um, it takes a long time for change to happen. So it's this dance of um, calling for what is right and then recognizing that getting there sometimes takes time as it has for our own country. And um, you don't want to, you don't want to beat somebody over the head with it, right? So, so uh, you don't want to drive them into the arms of a China or a Russia who were clearly have their own problems with human rights abuses. Um, you want this to be more of an invitation into being a part of, uh, of, of the world that is trying, although imper imperfectly trying to do better with how we treat uh, human beings. So, so mm -hmm. what I expect is that you're going to see, and if you flip, uh, if you go on the internet and look for pictures, there are a lot of good, amazing pictures that he did yoga. The prime minister did held a uh, yoga session as part of his opening ceremony, which I don't think has ever been done before for a, for a state visit. Um, so there are a lot of really interesting pictures. It is uh, something to be celebrated that our two countries are coming together to try to um, enhance our bonds. Um, and then you're going to have those private conversations uh, encouraging uh, India to do to do better, and and they need to do better. But that's definitely um, something uh, that isn't necessarily going to take center stage in a in a state visit. Um, so Elizabeth, I'll just confess to you that as I'm uh, as I'm watching and listening things uh, to things like um, what happens at these state uh, dinners, and yes, there's a ton of pomp and circumstance, and what it means to sit down with one another at table, like to break bread together. That communicates a lot. The seating chart matters, not just um, who's in the room, but where they get to sit, the menu, who is, uh, you know, who is there and who they get access to, the toasting, the raising of a glass, the clothing people wear, the things they choose to say and do, all of which, if you're listening as a Christian, you recognize Jesus talks a lot about all of that. Mm -hmm talks a mm -hmm. lot about all of that. And so um, as you're reflecting on the things that took place when uh, President Biden met with India's uh, President Modi and the state visit took place and the state dinner and all that is related to that, like think back to Abraham preparing a meal for three visitors and standing while they feasted or Esther chapter one or Psalm 23. What does it mean for God to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies? Um, the parables that Jesus uh, offers on feasting and banqueting. Um, John the Baptist, his execution is connected to a feast. Um, it's a, it, and so the Lord's Supper is a feast. The Messianic banquet that is to come is a feast. Um, and being sure that, you know, not only are you in the room, but that you're properly adorned and dressed. And what does that mean to put on Christ and be prepared for the banquet um, in the kingdom of heaven? I think that this gives us an opportunity Elizabeth, to reflect as Christians on what the Bible says and images that are offered, and it gives us points of or talking points of conversation with others. I mean, we weren't in the room, we, um, but we have a window into the room, and uh, the same thing is true when Jesus gives us a window into um, those kinds of things when we talk about the kingdom of heaven and what it looks like to be appropriately attired and to appreciate the seat, even the one that's, um, you know, the last person in the room. I mean, that's, I just want to be in the room, right? That's so true. It is, 
um, during the George W. Bush administration, I uh, worked in the White House and I never got an invite. I was a very junior staffer. But the next morning, um, you always wanted to talk to the people that were in the room and find out all of the the details of of what happened. It really is kind of a, a special moment. Um, it is also worth us recognizing um, that it's not it's not without controversy and um, drawing the parallel to uh, uh, what you were just talking about, Carmen. Um, we we think we know who those people are going to be invited to the banquet, and and there's mm. an aspect of um, uh, the the work that Christ does in each of us um, that. Only he knows. Only he knows who will be at that banquet. And um, our job is not necessarily to be the gatekeeper and say you're in uh, or you're out. That That's the job of God. Um, and uh, we we are to be welcoming to all. Right. And and I kind of I, I look at some of the critiques going back to President uh, Prime Minister Modi's visit. Um, there are very legitimate critiques, and I completely understand why people um, are concerned that a country, uh, an individual, and Prime Minister Modi, um, who has human rights abuses, why are we ro literally rolling out the red carpet for them? And and the thing about human relationships and change is that um, it's important to have principles. It's important to know what is right and wrong. But also change comes from that heart place, right? It's not in knowing the rules. It's about being invited into something more in relationship. And that's, I think, part of why our diplomatic uh, tools, which, um, you know, maybe are not as prevalent in today's work as they were, say, 100 years ago, but um, they're still important. It's still important to invite uh, people who have maybe some significant differences with the way that they view the world. And maybe they they do have things that they should be held accountable for. Um, but we still need to stay engaged with them and try to build relationships so that we can show them uh, something better to, to that their heart wants, that their heart wants that change for. Um, and it strikes me the way you compared it, but not dissimilar um, from the Christian mission of uh, walking alongside people and um, being in relationship with people who don't necessarily see things the way that we see them. Um, but it's through that relationship and through that love that um, Christ can come in and, and change hearts and minds. Mm. Yeah, and the reminder of rolling out the red carpet is a good one um, as well. Um, maybe we ought to be uh, happy to walk on paths that... Um, you know, that are covered with palm, palm fronds. Yeah, there's just all kinds of great stuff there. It's always a delight to talk with you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Carmen. I hope everybody has a great week. Yeah, and uh, happy 4th of July. That's Elizabeth Newman. She's a security analyst. You can find her at the Moonshot Group. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Have you ever taken an art appreciation course? What about a music appreciation course? What about a nature appreciation course? That's that's the way um, that I am thinking about God right here. It's a children's book. Katie Lawler is the author. Um, and if you were to think of a course in nature appreciation, like how do I appreciate and meet God in the changing seasons and the beauty of creation itself and all that I can learn about God from nature and about myself. Um, yeah, so for a 
Nature Appreciation Course. We're going to talk with Kara Lawler. God Right Here um, is the book. And yeah, we got copies to give away. It's a children's book. um, But you know me, I like children's books because I'm a child of God. And I like reading them to my uh, grandchildren. And so if that's you, the book's for you today as well. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Carol Lawler up next with God right here. Katie Lawler is right here to talk with us about God right here, meeting God in the changing seasons. It's a children's book. We do have copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Kara, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here to talk about God right here. So um, I'm thinking about your, you know, like books for adults, Everywhere Holy. Right. Um, and your books, your book for moms, um, a letter for every mother. But I understand that publishing a children's book is really something that's been on your heart for a long time. Can you can you kind of talk about the fulfillment that um, that sort of happens when you hold this particular book, God, right here? Yes, you know, ever since I was a little girl, I grew up in the country, which I mess it, which I. Um, mention in the back of God right here in the author's note. And I grew up as a little girl, really just exploring God's glory all the time outside. Um, My family did attend a formal church, but there was no greater church for me than outside. And I always just, my big dream, you know, that was the calling that was kind of placed on me was to be a writer. Um, It took a long time for that to come to fruition. But when I hold God right here, I just know that, you know, dreams really can come true. I love that. I love that. Talk with us about the connection of kids with the natural world and how that then helps kids connect with God. So as a little girl, of course, that was my experience. And then it was obviously much later when I became a parent myself. I have two children. Maggie will be nine this week and my son, Matt, will be 14 this summer. But I've noticed, you know, when I watch them from from toddlerhood all the way into the different stages that they're in now, the wonder that they experience over something so small that I feel like adults often overlook or forget in our, in our schedules, in our busy lives. And children have this ability to stop and say, look, mama, there, look at this flower or look at the clouds or look at the colors in the sky. And adults have lost that ability to do that. Many adults have at any rate. So for me, my children really brought the world into color for me, allowed me a new perspective and to see the nature again with a childlike wonder, um, the way I think God wants us to see it. Um, and so I always say, you know, children will show us the way if we let them. Hmm. I love that. That's a little child shall lead them. Um, I'm yeah, thinking exactly, here exactly. about the way you approach um, seasons, right? Like right. this is not, um, it's not something to fear, Kids grow up. I mean, you know, your nine-year-old and your 14-year-old are not, um, they are still who they were when they were little babies, but they have grown up in many, many ways. And there's, you know, there are seasons of life yet ahead. Can you talk a little bit about that, the the way you, that you use the changing nature of nature um, to to sort of remove the fear of change for kids? Yeah, so I, you know, change, especially through the pandemic, and I wrote this book uh, over the COVID-19 lockdown, 
And um, my kids were scared, you know, in a, in a way we really minimized it um, in terms of their experiences, tried to keep them kind of safe um, from the fear. And yet the whole world was on a lockdown, couldn't go to school. They couldn't, you know, um, see their loved ones in many cases. And so nature became a way of kind of saying to them, look, guys, look how the, you know, the leaves fall, but look how it comes back. The tree comes back to life, you know, seasons um, mimic the seasons in our own lives. And so as we, as we change, nature changes. And I think nature is just the reassurance that the cycle will start all over again. So that if we're in the metaphorical darker days of winter, you know, if our lives, um, you know, if we're stuck in a period of time where we feel like there is no hope, um, unfortunately, sometimes that happens. We can look to nature and say, well, wait, you know, the sun comes out again in the spring and look, the flowers bloom again. And so that was really my goal behind God right here to not only show um, children that, but also, you know, I think it's a great book for parents to read their child, to show their child, even to show themselves. Um, listen, this is not forever. Everything is temporary. So um, and nature surely does that. Yeah, I was, uh, this is, I'm going to, you're going to think this is slightly off topic, but it's not. I recently read an article that there is a school district that in, in late elementary school is going to start teaching both boys and girls about the cycle um, that girls who are becoming women enter into because parents sure. aren't teaching it anymore, apparently. Like, right. No one's having that talk about the cycle um, right. that... You know, and, and girls are entering into it, you know, uh, between 9 and 13. So when I guess when I think about having conversations about the cycle, not just of life, but the cycles of of our physical bodies as we grow sure. and change as people, like sure. what it, what we naturally become. So, so many of those conversations are had in a strange way in the culture because it's all about like interrupting the development, right. the natural development of a person. Right. I just feel like this is very timely. It's very timely. I know that those are not issues you're addressing in this children's book, and yet they are. Well, yeah, I, I think they certainly can be. I mean, I think God right here could be um, a nice template to discuss changes with your, your growing children. Yeah. Um, you know, I taught English for 21 years. And I taught, I, I don't teach anymore at the moment, um, but I was in that classroom for 21 years. And you know, what I learned is that everyone loves to be read to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this book could be um, an interesting springboard to maybe have that conversation, um, you know, with a, with a pre-adolescent um, about some changes or, you know, with someone else I, I was watching, um, I'm very close to my parents, but they're, you know, they're aging. And so just also watching those changes happening with my parents and my children observing those changes. Um, and so I think it could also be, you know, a way to discuss any sort of changes, physical, emotional, social, anything with kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, the social changes kids go through, uh, in addition, obviously, to their, to their physical changes with their growth, with their God-given growth, um, you know, the social changes are, are hard on, on kids. Um, you know, my work is in a school district, in a school, I'm committed to education. And I think, um, you know, that addressing any of those changes in the context that, hey, listen, God holds you in the palm of his hand. Look at how nature deals with the changes. And these are the ways that we can deal with them, too. 
So I like that. I like that idea. I like that. God is an ever-present God. Nature is a place to sit with God, and observation can be prayer. We're going to ask Kara to unpack that for us in just a moment. Kara Lawler is our conversation partner today. God Right Here is um, a children's book that she has written and offers up for us, um, not only for our conversation today, but for your conversations going forward with the children in your life. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away today. How can observation serve as prayer? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Kara Lawler, the book is God Right Here. We're uh, talking with Kara about her children's book. We are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Kara, um, I want you to help us make the connection between observation and prayer. Sure. Well, you know, it's something that um, has been on my mind. It's just the way that I... It's a lot of the way that I pray. I talk about that in Everywhere Holy pretty specifically. And I wanted a way for children to be able to take that and say, sure, my formal prayers are important. My formal church is important. Um, but how, you know, that's on Sundays and some families go on Wednesdays. And, you know, there's there's maybe different faith um, practices that people do within their um, denomination. But at any rate, how can I pray all day long? You know, how can I turn my daily life into a prayer? Um, And so for me, it it really came, uh, honestly, after a struggle with postpartum depression with my daughter, my my youngest. Um, And it became a way to pull myself out of, you know, something that was unexpected um, for me to experience. It was never something I, I thought I would experience. So how can I look around and say, you know, what is so beautiful about my life in addition to my daughter um, and my, you know, my son and my husband and my and and just the life that I have, even just down to the the minuscule, the very, very small things, the very small things. And so it became, um, you know, looking at uh, chicken eggs after I collected them in the morning and kind of marveling over the colors of them, testaments to you know, God's glory, really, we never think of those things in those ways. I don't, I, at least I, I, I had to train myself to kind of notice. And so for me, those prayers, you know, I look at my daughter's blue eyes or, you know, my son makes a joke. Um, and all day long, I kind of whisper these thank you prayers. And sometimes I don't speak them, obviously. You know, I just, I just, these, these thank you for these gifts. It's, it kind of just is a rotating thing. And it becomes a way in days where I am so busy or overwhelmed, or we all have these days. I mean, you know, we're living in this culture where, you know, it's a go, go, go culture. How can I slow down and actually notice the gifts that God has given me? Um, and so that's, that's what I mean is observation is prayer, observing those gifts, taking a millisecond, you know, taking a second to say, Wow, look at that very pink rhododendron. You know, look at look at this blue blue sky. Listen to those birds. 
Um, last night we, we, we stumbled upon a mom, uh, we were driving, but we pulled alongside the road who had just had, uh, her baby. Um, so there's a fawn there in the grass, you know, that is God's glory. So stopping Mm. to say, wow, kids, look, look at this. Um, it's become a practice for me. And I will say as people practice it more and more, the gifts are just incredible. That's so good. I, I, Training ourselves, I love that you use that language um, of training yourself in the practice of of observation. Um, We have to put the distractions aside. We can't be looking at Mm -hmm. our phones. Our kids can't be Mm -hmm. on electronics Mm -hmm. in the car or they Mm -hmm. are going to miss so much. I I just Mm -hmm. I think back here right to my own childhood. And can't you just hear your parents as you're driving somewhere Mm -hmm. saying, look, do you see that? Look, and you're just thinking, God, I'm like, really? Like. We've seen trees and waterfalls and mountains, and but they are helping train us in observation. And now that is what I do. Like I have become my mother in so many ways in terms of that. <laughs> like I, I love what is happening in the natural world. And I do think that retraining ourselves to appreciate the beauty of it um, is, is so important. We have conversations in our family. Kara, we also live... Um, out in in the hills, we live Rural. in the hills of Middle Tennessee yeah. on a farm, and okay. um, and so we have a lot of conversations about green because everything right now is green, everything, but it's a million shades of green. And right. so one of the conversations we had recently is like God did not have to do that. God did not have to make more than one shade of green, and it, right. but He did. He did, and it's it's delightful, and so right. many shapes of leaves and. Um, it just, uh, yeah. And then, you know, put the leaf in your hand and then go into the veins of it. And I mean, just on and on and on and on, right. That's an endless, endless source of conversation. Last night, the stars were so bright and the fireflies were out. Right. um, Oh yeah. So uh, I have a 17 year old who has some special needs and, you know, like we're just sitting on the porch and we're looking at the stars and we're looking at the fireflies and we're talking about light and, what do you think is Isn't way out nice? there? And where, where do you think that little bug is going? And right? I mean, there's, there's an endless, it's an endless source of conversation if we will sit long enough to observe what God is doing and then talk about his presence and how, you know, how he is right here all the time. I just, I love the book and I love your awareness of, um, of what God is doing right here, right now. And then you're equipping us I mean, through so many ways in, in in all of your writing and this time through a children's book, really equipping us to slow down long enough yeah. to yeah. see God right here. Thank you. It's so true. And the connection that, as you mentioned, with your son on the porch, the connection that doing so brings to our families, to our children, slowing down. And, you, you know, I think there's there's this um, impulse or pressure for people to plan elaborate vacations. And of course I love to travel, but you know, there's this impulse more and more and more. And it's like, just sit and the connection that you can have in nature with your children, no matter their age, because at different ages, they're interested in different things. Um, You know, astronomy, you know, all these different things that you can talk to about your growing children and the way that that becomes a way for you to connect with them. So I think um, God has given us that natural community connector if we just, as you said, slow down, pay attention um, to God right here everywhere. That's so good. It's so good. Hey, um, because we haven't had the opportunity to talk with you before, 
Um, and I have appreciated so many other things that you've written. Can you share with folks um, a little bit about Everywhere Holy and um, A Letter for Every Mother? Sure, I would love to. You know, Everywhere Holy is kind of um, it, it, the same the same premise in many ways, although it's much more uh, it's seeing beauty, remembering your identity, and finding God right where you are. That's the subtitle. So seeing beauty, you know, when sometimes it feels like it's hard to see, remembering who God made you to be. I think sometimes we were, we put so much pressure on ourselves to um, be who we want to be, right? You know, and sometimes that's in, um, that's in contrast to who God made us to be. Um, and then, uh, you know, finding God right where you are, you know, being so important. And that's, that's that part of God right here. Um, so, you know, everywhere holy was, is my heart poured out on the page, um, certainly. So I hope that, um, you know, the readers will, will take a look at it. Um, a Letter for Every Mother I co-wrote uh, with Reagan Long, um, and it's a compilation of essays um, about childhood experiences, you know, parent parental experiences, motherhood experiences. Um, and those are essays that you can kind of read very shortly. You know, mothers of young children don't always have a lot of time to pour into a full-length, you know, memoir like Everywhere Holy. So these are little snippets to realize that you're not alone. Um, All of my books kind of have that theme that um, we're never alone. You know, God's always right here. Amen. Amen. You guys can visit with Kara online at karalawler.com. The book that we're talking about today, God Right Here, but she has others as well. We're giving away copies of God Right Here. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. Um, Kara, I know you're uh, busy doing media for this particular book, but once that dies down, will you come back and we will circle back around um, on your other two books? Because I think our listeners would really appreciate um, a deeper dive into both of those. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. That's Kara Lawler, God, right here. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, this is like my public service announcement at the end of the show. Yes, I want you to walk by faith and by sight. I want you to walk by faith and by sight. According to um, the U.S. Governor's Highway Safety Administration, more than 7,500 people were killed last year because they were run over walking along, not paying attention to the environment around them. So I want you to walk by faith, but I also want you to walk by sight. Don't be a smartphone zombie. That describes people using their smartphones while they walk Um, often into potentially unsafe situations like crosswalks or stepping off a curb into the path of a bus. Yeah, don't do that. So yes, I want you to walk by faith, but I also want you to walk by sight as you walk your faith out into the world that God so loves. So look up today, be aware, use your power of observation. Hey, tomorrow our friend Jeff Christofferson is going to be back with us. We're going to talk about professionalism in the church and continuing to plumb the depths of the book Once You See, my favorite novel of the year so far. Um, And then singer Nathan Sheridan is going to join us to share his own story and testimony. And we're going to talk about women and work. All of that tomorrow here on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day and God bless. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.